The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. It's like a case of deja vu all over again. I can't help but, help but feel like we've done this this weekend. Welcome to the kickoff. Good evening, afternoon, whenever you're listening here. It is technically Sunday morning here on the East Coast. My name is Harry Broadhurst. I am your host. Joining me, as per usual, the executive producer turned co-host, Eric Watkins. Uh, same old attempted at a podcast, a new round of NFL players being idiots and death. More on that next week. The co-host turned executive producer, Brandon Biscobing, who's in the middle of a coughing fit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And hey, we have some real sports, uh, some team sports on uh, on tomorrow morning, but that's for a different show. Technically speaking, team sports kind of returned today to the United States with the FS1 broadcast of the Bundesliga. Well, okay, correction. Today started it, but tomorrow is the day, is the day that I really care because my team is playing tomorrow. I don't know what he's talking about. For Bundesliga, Bayern. Ah, Bayern Munich, okay. Yes. And one more, more reason why I kind of want to root for Gladbach right now. No, okay, half offense. <laughs> and the not-so-silent co-owner, the unprofessional, Jason Teasley. Sup, fuckers. That's, that's one. <laughs> I'm guessing this show's not going to coach either. Nope. Not a chance. Okay, um, yeah, that whole sponsorship thing, is that still going to be a thing? Because, um, if it isn't, then I've got a few things that I need to get off my chest. (laughs) We're looking at you, Jason. And I'm looking back at you. (laughs) He's mid-Coca-Cola, though. I don't think it's only Coca-Cola in that can. Anyway, all right, real quick, before we get into tonight's episode, we are here to gather to give you guys the greatest of all teams, AFC North edition. We will be doing them in alphabetical order. However, we have a couple of things to touch on before we get to the greatest of all teams. The first of which is, I won't do the full spiel that I did in the last episode of the show, But tonight's episode of the kickoff is dedicated to the memory of Steve DJ Fish. Rest in peace, good brother. And as I mentioned last night as well, and you weren't here for it, uh, you won't hear me say Bizco's got the Rona anymore on the show. Like I said last night, this, this virus became very real over the course of the past week for me. All right. So we did a news and notes episode last night. Bisco was unavailable at the time. However, he has stated an interest in giving his thoughts on the news and notes that we went over. Therefore, it is at this time that I turn the floor over to Eric Watkins, our anchor man. I oh my god, you're Eric Burgundy. <laughs> Stay classy, W2M. I like Scotch. Scotchy Scotch Scotch. <laughs> All right. So Eric and Brandon are going to run through Brandon's thoughts on the news and notes section, and then we'll come right back with the greatest of all teams, part two, AFC North. Excuse me. Eric, the floor is yours. All righty. So going to cover it a little bit in here, giving the nuts and bolts. The first topic that we teased the last week, and I wanted to get your thoughts on, Brandon, CFL Commissioner Randy Ambrosi went to Parliament in Ottawa and said, hey, we need $150 million. This season, this season's pretty much canceled, but without that game day revenue from ticket sales, the league as a whole is pretty screwed going into the future. I hope Justin Trudeau steps up. I want them to step up, especially for potential expansion, but uh, no news is not so good news in this case. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that. Canada is in a much different spot than we are in terms of the virus and everything. So we'll see how that all plays out. 
Um, would I like to see the CFL survive? Obviously. Uh, but I, I'm curious to see if the NFL maybe takes an interest in, and sees, uh, and tries to do something with it, kind of an a la NFL Europe type thing. Um, but the but the issue with that is going to be obviously that they are two completely different. Well, not completely different, but there are certain rule differentials that I don't know how that would han- how that would be handled. So you're basically. Well, I think- Get rid of the CFL as it was and turn it into NFL Canada? Essentially, yeah. No, I think you could still do CFL as CFL, just have the NFL's backing as kind of a developmental system similar to what they were doing to a lesser extent with the AAF. Or essentially have it as its own company, just that the NFL is subsidizing it basically like... ECW with WWF back in the day. For our non-wrestling fans, he's referring to Extreme Championship Wrestling, which for a while was receiving monthly checks from the World Wrestling Federation for the usage of Too Cold Scorpio as Flash Funk, as well as the fact that ECW would receive money from Too Cold Scorpio's theme song on a monthly basis. Yep. All right, Eric. Take two. Secondary ticket values. The numbers have hit the market. And I'm not going to give Harry any more crap for Buffalo's insanely low average of only $179. But I am curious about teams like Tampa Bay who have gotten a bump. Teams like the Patriots who while still in the upper threes to mid fours, have really taken a hit. And naturally, it's all about Vegas, baby. They're number one. 500 just to get in the door. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how this works as as we go further towards the season and, and whether or not there are even the potential of fans and, and all of that. This year is going to be very weird on that level because I think we can all agree that even if there are fans allowed in the stadium, I don't think they're going to be allowed to be full capacity. So that will jack up the prices even more than they are already. That actually ties into the next question that Eric's going to ask. Third down. All right. So, speaking of football and fans and stadiums and things, over in college, we all know Mark Emmert has said, if campuses aren't open, don't expect to play. Well, the California State University system, of which three Mountain West schools are a part of, they have said they're going online only for the fall semester. And in a somewhat related note, with the Pac-12, they have joined the chorus that is now the SEC, the Big Ten, and the ACC discussing only conference games being played. And then on top of that, we're seeing more victims in the lower college ranks which I know you appreciate even well to an extent, Florida Tech, a Division II school on the rise, just cut their football program two years after making a playoff appearance, and the Division II California Collegiate Athletic Conference has said, we're not having any fall sports whatsoever. The tide is turning. Yeah, it's going to be a... Wait, real quick. Okay. There's an actual question attached. Oh, okay. Okay. Sorry. The question that is attached to this particular news and note story is, is do you believe that we will see actual college and NFL seasons this year? We start with college. (sighs) Are we talking full on college season with both in conference and out of conference schedules? Yes. Then no. 
I do not think there is a chance in hell that we are going to get that. I think the best case scenario, and this is this is extra best case scenario. Uh, well, best either best case or worst case based on how you look at it, honestly, is that the SEC and perhaps SEC, probably ACC, Big Twelve, potentially the Big Ten, but I don't think the Pac-12. I think those four will play some sort of schedule of some type and get try to get some games in. Everyone else outside of the the Power 5, I don't think they they will play. I think that you might get a couple of the major schools in, that have football income playing outside of the Power 5, your Boise State mm-hmm. and stuff because of the fact that that is the big money cow for that university. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them try to get involved with some well, of the other colleges in that area and organize some kind yeah. of setup. For well, that's but- going to be the issue, though, especially for a team like Boise State. The The only schools in their area are going to be schools that are affected by their states more than likely still being shut down. You know, you've got Oregon, who has already said... No, no fan, you know, no large gatherings until I think October or November. Uh, you've got California, which is, you know, with, you know, they already shut down the Cal State system. I would not be surprised if the UC system gets shut down shortly thereafter. Uh, you know, so you're going to have an issue with finding teams to play. All right, what about the NFL? Do you think we see a full 16-game NFL schedule? This this all depends upon two things. One is where we're at with the virus and with everything that's going on by, I'm going to give them July. Maybe, maybe mid-July would be the cutoff. And then... That's the first thing. And then the second is how willing the owners and the players are to be playing in front of, at the very least, less than 50% capacity stadiums. Because... I'm thinking that it... Go ahead. Real quick. I'm I'm thinking that it's going to be a situation of expanded TV contracts for the season. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that you're going to get more games nationally broadcast this year in order to make up some of the revenue that they're losing from the from the fans not being in the stands. How would they do that, though, in terms of... I mean, the only thing I can think of is putting a, a, a national game on ESPN at in the 1 o'clock and 4 o'clock slots. But you're not going to... Unless you're, unless you're able to expand the contracts and figure out the the TV situation for the for CBS and Fox affiliates as well, and then maybe you could bring in NBC as well. Unless you're going to have games on like TNT and TBS uh, and True TV and stuff like that, basically like the NCAA tournament, I don't see how you'd be able to get all that's 16 a- games in in one week. See, that's how actually how I think it could happen, though, is mm. by doing expanded national coverage and giving more people options on games to watch by having games for CBS, having games on True TV or on TNT and TBS and for Fox having games on FS1 on and Fox, two. Fox Sports 1 and, and even something like an FX, because mm. I'm sure FX and a game on FX would do big numbers as well. True, true. So, yeah, I mean, if they could, you know, if it is a situation where. They have the go-ahead to play, but they can't get any fans to to the games. Then, yes, I could totally see that happening, where um, where they expand the TV contract for this year to air every single game nationally. See, this isn't 
this is something we didn't really discuss last night, so I kind of want to get Eric and Jason's thoughts on this here. Eric, I'll start with you. Would you be okay with an expanded national TV coverage for the season in order to give, A, an opportunity for the NFL to earn more money from a TV revenue situation by picking up the secondary markets and stuff with these extra games, and B, giving fans an opportunity, a more widespread opportunity to see their teams since they're going to be limited as to how many fans can actually get into the state, most likely how many fans can get into the stadium on a week-to-week basis? Oh, I am completely for that. And this is what I was really tying into when you mentioned fan capacity stadiums. Number one, and I didn't really answer this the last time, but I do think that both seasons will be abbreviated. College, we're probably only going to see a lot of conference games and conference seasons. And with the NFL, I not only think that there will be a delay to the season, but I think that it will be for the first time since 77 that there will only be a 14-game regular season schedule. That said, if you already have stadiums like Hard Rock in Miami preparing and setting up proper social distancing, coming in and leaving in waves, and reducing a capacity from normally 65,000 down to only 15,000, if all these other stadiums follow suit, I completely agree for an expansion of the contracts just for this year. Like you said, CBS, you have CBS Sports Network, True TV, TBS, TNT. For Fox, you have FS1, FS2, FX. Even for NBC, if you were to really expand to that, do like how they would have for when they have championships in the Premier League. They have potentially 10 different networks Mm -hmm. at their disposal, MSNBC, Uh CNBC, all of these others, that if you can fill those 16 games, scatter them all across, have them all throughout the weekend. I think that would be brilliant. Yeah. Realistically realistically speaking, it doesn't need to be a network-specific broadcast either. I mean, you could still have the announcers that are – provided by the specific networks and stuff it's just you could kind of substitute uh you can kind of substitute the uh expenses for the broadcasters by working with the other networks jason mm-hmm. what's your thoughts on this here do you think we can see an expanded tv contract in 2020 to get more games on the air with diminished capacity in stadiums nope i think that everything's going to go back to normal and we'll be by the time uh, the season kicks off. Optimism, optimism, thy name is Jason. (laughs) Um, I mean, the the fact that Joe Buck is saying, hey, if need be, there could be artificial crowd noise being pumped into the broadcast just in case. That tells you where at least some of the top brass of the networks are leaning toward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone's basically looking at this like, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. We have to prepare for every eventuality. Uh, I felt like I had a question, but now I now I'm drawing a blank. It's okay. We need to get going yeah. here. So, hey, Eric, mm-hmm. some somebody at the show screwed up. It's fifth down. Hey, hey, we're Missouri playing against Colorado. Day after Thanksgiving strikes again. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, we're all familiar with the Rooney rule. We all know about the ratio, how I believe there's only, what, four black head coaches in the NFL and only, like, two executives? Mm-hmm. Well, well, Goodell and his wisdom, uh, the owners are putting it to a vote. Why not give everybody the incentive for hiring people of color in key positions by bumping up their draft positions? You could be going up as many as 16 spots if you hire both a head coach and a general manager of color in the same year. And that would immediately come into effect before the beginning of their second year. Personally, even with the extra rules that I'm not going into about third round and fourth round and fifth round and compensatory position or pick based upon different position coaches, I think it's stupid. And if anything, you're going to set the league 
back several years. Oh, yeah, definitely, because I think, if anything, this is going to... This is going to make teams that are trying to figure out a way to move up in the draft by this means just decide to hire, you know, just hire anyone that is is on the market that they can use to to do this and then when and then when it fails then they're going to, you know, they'll figure out some sort of uh so, some sort of excuse as to, you know, oh, this is stupid or something like this. It's it's just a disaster waiting to happen. Uh, and one one quick question that I had, I just remembered it before we move on. Um, Eric, you probably know this better than anyone. And when it comes to the season, especially with L.A., are those mm-hmm. stadiums completely done? For SoFi Stadium... Not entirely, but construction has still been ongoing. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it has still that been. Market has ballooned to over six billion dollars by some accounts. But they're still doing construction. That hasn't stopped. Correct. Oh, okay. See, I thought with the stay-at-home order and everything that they had to halt. All right. Um, I mentioned it in the chat. Unfortunately, we're running a little bit longer than anticipated for the for the news and notes section here for Brandon to catch up a bit. So, Brandon, what we're going to do is when we pick up next week's story with the, the news coming out of Washington and the redacteds, apparently yet more competition for dumbest NFL player. We'll get your opinion on the Dunbar story that came out this week then. And I especially consider, considering we'll be talking about both at the same time. I will have a lot to talk about, so be sure to tune in then. All right, let's get to the greatest of all teams, AFC North edition here, gentlemen. Just due to the fact that we are running on kind of a time crunch here, I want to be able to get as much in as we can because Jason's had a long couple of days, as you guys will remember from last night's episode, and apparently Grandpa needs some sleep. (laughs) I'm calling you old, Jason. He's so out of it, he doesn't even realize. No, I, no, I realize what's going on. I'm just making sure that, you know, I'm still allowed to do the podcast. <laughs> He's figuring out ways to fire me, actually, I think. I'm pretty sure. Probably. All right, let's get to it. We start in Baltimore. As I said, we're going to do this alphabetically. And Baltimore offensively is going to be interesting. I think. Definitely. All right. Go alphabetical. Brandon. Mm. I, I I forgot to do my homework on this, and I was thinking we were going alphabetically by uh, team name, so give me a second. Go. All right. That would be Baltimore. No, I said I, I thought. Let's no, go. I thought we were going alphabetically by team name, not by city name. No, we're going alphabetically by city because that's the way that the NFL would do it. All right, we'll come back to him last for this question here. We'll start with Eric. While I want to give a mention to Lamar Jackson for everything that he's done just the past couple of seasons and with what Jamal Lewis did that particular 2000 season, let's face it. Even though he had a couple down years after that, because the franchise is so new, I got to give my respect to Brent Dilfer. I mean, he's the only guy that could come in and get a man down from his roof after a month. And yes, this was a real story. We kind of teased this last week when we did our greatest of all teams that one of these teams, one of us was going to pick a kicker. Well, it's happening here in Baltimore, and it's yours truly doing it. I'm picking Justin Tucker with an honorable mention to Matt Stover right before. Although a lot of people would probably put Stover more in the Browns history rather than the Ravens history. That being said, Tucker has been one of the most accurate kickers in NFL history. 99% of his extra point conversions 
and somewhere in the neighborhood of about 85% of his field goals as well. I had the exact numbers in front of me, but unfortunately the website refreshed and I don't feel like waiting for it to unrefresh. So I'm going with Justin Tucker. Dude Jason? can sing Carmen all oh, beautifully. Uh, I'll refer to the group chat where I actually uh, put the idea in Harry's mind, I believe. Because I I actually said I might be going to kick her. Uh, it was a toss up. I was really leaning for uh, Tucker. I think I think he is like really high up there. But I had to go uh, Jamal Lewis uh, simply because I mean he was a beast in Baltimore. I mean. Uh, and it's going to kind of uh, dovetail into my defensive player here in a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Jamal Lewis was a beast in Baltimore. Uh, I really wanted to go Tucker, but, you know, I didn't want to steal Harry Sunder once. Uh, he revealed that he was going Tucker. Uh, I So, I mean, I don't think you could go wrong with going either Lewis or uh, Tucker either way on that one. Bisco? Yeah, um, with an honorable mention, because I think it's a little too early to say this, but I do think as long as he stays healthy and as long as he continues playing the way he did last year and he can get over that hump, I think uh, Lamar Jackson will certainly be in this conversation uh, if we were to do this again six or seven years from now. Um but I know he gets a lot of flack. Oh, but I have to go with uh, oh. I, I have to go with Flacco because you oh. know he yes he he had he didn't have the greatest of careers, but you know he he was good enough. Yes, a lot of people say oh they had the defense carrying them and everything, but you you're not going to be a terrible quarterback. And lead a team to a Super Bowl. I'm about to piss off Jason here. Jim, uh, Joe Flacco was to uh, the Ravens what Jim McMahon was to the Bears. I agree. How would that piss me off? I mean, technically speaking, you could almost make the same comparison with Flacco as you would with Dilfer there. Because Dilfer was the quarterback for that 2000 Ravens team, right, Eric? Yes, he was. He did not start the entire season with that 2000 team. He came in and replaced Tony Bank. So this means that we're going to have to take this one to a vote because we have four different picks for Ravens' mm-hmm. offensive best player, which tells you how shitty their yeah. offensive best players is in their franchise well, history. Well, te- technically, no, because I did say Tucker you was my one Justin eight. Tucker, yeah, you did lean Justin Tucker before going with Jamal Smith, with Jamal Lewis. So, so we would need a ruling on that because, I mean, my honorable mention was Tucker, but uh, the honorable mentions do not count. It's our official picks. Yeah, okay. official pick. All right, I will change my official pick to Justin Tucker. Tie broke. <laughs> I was about to say, because technically speaking, if honorable mentions counted, then Lamar Jackson's in this conversation, too. Uh, oh, two because, well, you know, they actually got to be in the league longer, more years than Eli has Super Bowl rings. All right, let's move on to the Ravens defense here. And we kind of discussed this one off air last week, and we both, we all agreed it was pretty much a two-horse race for Ravens defensively. Mm-hmm. Eric, yeah. you lead us off. I mean, come on. Number 52, the dance, the heart, the soul of that defense, straight from the U. Can you argue against Ray Lewis? I mean, realistically. <laughs> so, does look like Harry's going to lose this one because yeah. I, I also said Ray Lewis. Yep. I mean, I yeah, you've, was... yeah, you've got... But... Yes, he has all of his off-the-field issues, but... You know, on the field, that, you, you got to go with Ray Lewis. 
I'm not saying the NFL is a place for choir boys because history has proven that it's not. But when you have somebody whose career stats for his position have equaled, matched, or bettered Ray Lewis, and you have less of the off-the-field drama that you had from Lewis as well, 61 career interceptions in NFL, a Baltimore Ravens record, and I believe the all-time NFL lead as well. Seven career interceptions. I think for career interceptions, the all-time lead is like 75? Well, it's certainly the Ravens team record. Yes. Tied for the most NFL interceptions returned for touchdowns with seven. Tied for the longest interception return for a touchdown with 107. The most career interception return yards in NFL history with almost 1,600. I'm saying Ed Reed. Also from? Ah, uh, shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. That's two. All right, so we're, go- <laughs> so we're officially designating Justin Tucker and Ray Lewis for Baltimore then? Yes. Sure. This is, this is some bullshit. Look, Jason's the one being the not-so-silent, unprofessional co-owner in, uh, changing his mind all the time. Eric. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati. Offense. Again, I have a couple of honorable mentions. Anthony Munoz anchoring that offensive line a very, very, very close second. And a lesser-known quarterback in Virgil Carter, who led a very dynamic all-round-led Bengals offense to a shocking division title back in 1970. But if you think Brown, or if you think Bengals, you think offense, I got to go with Boomer Esiason. Yes, he had guys like Icky Woods and everybody with uh, those eight teams in the mid-80s, including Chris Collinsworth. But really... To be the guy and the help to lead that offense to two Super Bowl appearances. All right. Um, my pick is Chad Johnson. Mm-hmm. With an honorable mention to another wide receiver currently active with the Bengals in AJ Green. Chad Johnson has 751 career catches as a Bengal for over 10,000 yards. The thing about Chad Johnson is, is people were so focused on the persona of Chad Johnson that they did not realize just how good of a player he actually was. It's not one to of those mention things, kicking an extra point also helped. <laughs> it's one of those things where you realize that he did a lot of what he did in order to get in people's head, but at the same time, more often than not, Johnson backed it up on the field. Jason. Well, I, I, I like I said. I mean, uh, Munoz was was my pick uh, with an honorable mention going to Icky. Um, but uh, thinking about it again, I, I'm honestly going to switch up and say that there's no person synonymous with the Bengals, I mean, especially currently, than the player that Harry just mentioned, and that's A.J. Green. Um, I think I think uh, a lot of people don't uh, give him the credit because he has been on an anemic team, but he has been a solid player. Uh, he has had, he's had a middle-of-the-road quarterback, uh, which, I mean... You know, you could say about Boomer. Boomer was never a great quarterback. He was a middle-of-the-road quarterback, did just True. enough to win. True. So, um, you know, he didn't have he didn't light up stats sheets or anything. So I'm going to go with either. Uh, I'm going to go with AJ. Uh, I, I really wanted to go. I really wanted to go with the offensive lineman just to shake things <laughs> up. But, um, yeah, I mean, AJ, AJ right now is synonymous with the Bengals. He's been a cornerstone of that offense. I just, I just hate the fact that now that they've got a franchise quarterback and everything, he's in the twilight of his career, and he won't get the benefit from that. 
602 catches, 8,907 yards for A.J. The thing is, is Chad Johnson's career totals were in 10 seasons in Cincinnati. A.J. Green's are basically in seven. It's accounting for the injuries and everything. Well, the the main one is is he lost most of two seasons. 2016, he only played 10 games. 2018, he only played nine games. 2019, he played about three downs. <laughs> Brandon? Yeah, I'm going to... Right yeah, I, well, I am breaking the tie. I will be giving an honorable mention to one of the of the other ones, however. That honor what? I know he is. You're N- picking Boomer and I know you are. False. The oh, honorable mention is going to Boomer. But I oh, am picking yeah. the Ocho Cinco. Yes! <laughs> Victory I'll take this one. All right. <laughs> All right. Um, Eric, Cincinnati defensively. Good luck. Are you kidding? I still couldn't find anybody. I've got one. I've got one. I have have my pick as well. I have mine. We kind of talked about him in the group chat, so don't you dare take him, Eric. No, I'm not taking him. I'm going to need a minute. Do you want me to go? While Eric is looking then, Bisco, you want to fire off? Sure. Four-time All-Pro, 65 interceptions, five touchdowns, one Ken Riley. Yeah, that was who my pick was as well, if you check the group chat. I think I think that's the, the only player you can uh, honestly look back through the history of the Bengals and see as a legit defensive threat in Cincinnati. See, I'm going to disagree with that because of who my 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 pick is. Seventy-five and a half career sacks, three hundred and eighty-three combined tackles. But in fairness, playing on the defensive line, not really a surprise. I'm going Geno Atkins. Hmm. Also led the Cincinnati team on deep on the defensive side to four postseason appearances in the early to mid 2010s. And see, I was my leaning towards Tim Crumry, but yeah, the stats are just blown out of the water, sadly. <gasps> Eric, we need an official pick. Tim Crumry. That was my, that is my official pick. <laughs> but, leaning but, toward him and making a solid case, but mm, not solid enough. <laughs> so that gives defensive Cincinnati to Ken Riley then? Yes. Okay, so... We have three position. We have four positions decided. Four more to pick. We'll take a quick second here and let everybody know that we are a presentation of the W2M Network. We are online at w2mnet.com. Make sure you guys keep an eye out as the site is evolving and starting to get more and more content published. Even getting a podcast the very next day, Eric. I'm impressed. Well, again, had there not been things going on at four in the morning and. Different glitches with the site, it would have been up faster. But yeah, I, I, I work on these things, no matter what sort of SEO hurdles that I have to conquer. Dot, dot, dot. And to that end, all hate mail in regards to our SEO hurdles can be sent to s.garmer at gmail.com. All right, let's move on. We go back to Ohio, or stay there, I guess, technically. But we go up to the mistake on the lake. We head up to Cleveland, and I believe this one was unanimous. The on the offensive end, you. yeah. Mm-hmm. The, off- the offensive side is unanimous here. It's obviously going to be Jim Brown for all four of us. There is no oh, shit. Quiet, Jason. You, you I, I was going to Menzel. <laughs> Obviously, it's going to be Jim Brown here, the face of the franchise. And I know that Eric told me I was wrong here, but in my opinion, the man the franchise is named after. Yep. No, no. I, although, I really technically, was, yeah. although technically speaking, the man that the franchise is actually named for is Cincinnati for Jim Brown. He came up with the name, the Bengals. 
So you see, you see, the little extra squid bit minus the squid. Actually, it was because of squid that I looked it up. So it was a squid bit by proxy. You're welcome, America. So, so does that mean it was like an inkling? <laughs> okay, that was good. Well played, Jason. Speaking of which, Jason, defense, Cleveland, fire off. No, I'm not doing it. Y'all can eat my ass. But I will give you a pick. Uh, it is a... I don't remember who I selected. A... Uh, a name synonymous with the NFL. Uh, and when I say this, um, a lot of people may question who and not know that this football family does have a patriarch that was uh, an outstanding uh, defensive player for the Cleveland Browns. And that is one Clay Matthews Jr. Uh, a lot of people are real familiar with Clay Matthews the third. Uh who is an offspring. Um, My original pick for Green Bay before I was reminded of the existence of Reggie White. Yes. So, uh, I mean, Clay Matthews Jr., um, he he started the, the lineage of the Matthews clan in the NFL. And, I mean, he was just an all-out pounder for the uh, Browns defense. Uh, so, uh, I don't think that you could go... Um, into any conversation on the defensive side for the Browns, and not have uh, have to at least have Clay Matthews Jr. in the in the conversation. Bisco, I'm going with an older uh, pick from the '50s, four-time Pro Bowler, four-time first-team All-Pro, and that is one Len Ford. Eric, Harry, I know we've talked about it. I know we've talked about this. I'm still going to do it. My pick, former Brown, now crossing enemy lines. I don't, I disagree with this pick, but go ahead. Joe Hayden. Because I mean, seriously, you talk about... And especially with defenses, with a lot of the pressure being on the secondary, he was pretty much a shutdown guy in that second level. I mean, this kind of modern-day Tom Darden, if you will. We are going to have to take this to a vote inside of the chat because we have four different picks. Damn, I, I, I'm disappointed in myself. Uh, Eric just reminded me of something, and, and Jason did before. I should have given an honorable mention for the Bengals defensive player for, to perfect. <laughs> Brandon Biscobing, <laughs> I stand by what I just said, Eric. Brandon Buzko being asshole. All right. Um, my pick is Joe Sherbert. Joe Sherbert. Mm. For only four seasons in Cleveland, so I'm not going to say that the resume is fantastic. However, um, on those four seasons in Cleveland, a first-team All-NFL selection, including leading the league in tackles, mm. averaging – North of 100 tackles a season, despite only having 28 in his first season as a rookie, then going 144, 103, and 133. Three fumble recoveries, six interceptions for a defensive linebacker as well, which is an impressive number for somebody that plays in the kind of defensive system that they play up in Cleveland. Sherbert is a guy that changes offensive schemes around him. Whereas I don't know that Hayden was the same guy. Not to mention there's also the whole crossing enemy lines thing for Hayden that I think will not sit well with Cleveland Brown fans. I got a question, and this is a legitimate question because I totally forgot about this person, but I do think he fits the criteria of being a defensive player as he was a kick returner. And that's Josh Cripps. I think that... (laughs) 
Cribs would be offensive because he was yeah. also yeah. a wide receiver. Yeah, he's more but, known as a wide receiver. Cribs was all, not to mention we uh, talked he, about this. He is actually actually more known for his returns. Well, yes. So then that, that would be special teams. Let me expand upon that. However, we had this conversation off air, did we not? Kickers are offensive. Punters are defensive. When you are returning, you're getting the ball back. Therefore, it yeah. is an offensive, offensive position. Yes. I don't disagree with giving Cribs a shout out because the guy was a game changer, mm. similar to a Dante Hall, similar to a Devin Hester. Rome? Shut up. <laughs> can, can I go first uh, for the Steelers? Because I think at least one of you guys will have the same as mine, and I want to do something funny with it. I think we're unanimous yeah. on um oh wait no because you might be mo- you might have the modern one whereas i think no no i do not that. have the modern one all right well then so we're definitely going to have to take cleveland defense to a vote because we all have <laughs> all four have different people yes which reminds me the votes came in and unfortunately we didn't get as many as we thought we were going to in this group poll so clearly we need to find a different source to vote this jason post it on your twitter please because your twitter reaches more people than that group chat does apparently yeah that's not saying that's not saying a lot (laughs) but i really had i really had high expectations for that group chat pulling us out but they let us down and i blame i blame Robert's homosexual erotic love for Patrick Mahomes. By a score of three to two, Fran Tarkleton beat Adrian Peterson to win the Minnesota offensive player. We win, Eric. We win. Ah, uh, you can't beat the mad scrambler after all. All right, let's wrap this up here and get to Pittsburgh offensively. Jason, you start us off. Uh, I think that this is is a is a no brainer for me. I think uh, you have to go with the quarterback that is um, pretty much the face of the franchise. That is um, a huge uh, part of the Steeler history, and that's Terry Bradshaw. I mean, I think um, I think without Bradshaw, that Steelers team in the seventies would not be what it was and not have the titles that they do. Uh, he was not, uh, he was, uh, like I said, he was, he wouldn't light up a stat sheet, but he was a leader on the field. And I think that's more important than lighting up stat sheets. You know, we do have a lot of middle of the road quarterbacks. One in particular that I'm very fond of, uh, that doesn't light up stat sheets unless it's on the interception side, but he was, he had the respect of his peers and he did lead his team to two Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. So I think I think uh, I will have to lean to uh, Bradshaw the, with a very honorable mention. And I will say this uh, with all the utmost respect because you could put him um, where he actually started his career, but he's most famous for where he ended uh, ended up in Pittsburgh, and that's Bettis as being my honorable mention. Jerome Pettis was my honorable mention as well, but I also stand alongside with you on the pick of the original TB12. Damn it, you you stole my line, Harry. Well, well, Bisco, think of it like this. Who knew that in that 1970 season, Bradshaw was the second best Terry on his team? Look at where he took off from there. Even though he admitted he got to the Pro Bowl after only throwing for about fourteen hundred yards one year. Yep. Yeah, and I think yeah, I, Terry I, Cloth Terry Cloth being the most notable known uh person in the Pittsburgh area. Yeah, I think unless Eric has someone else, I think we are all in agreement. The original T B twelve and the the beginning of the number 12 becoming the be-all, be end-all number for quarterbacks. One take, Bradshaw. With an additional honor, honorable mention from your truly to Terry's favorite wide receiver, Lynn Swan. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think you could, I think, honestly, you could honestly throw Hans Ward into that, mm-hmm. that conversation. Oh, I mean, uh, that... For being, for being the receiver he was, and... 
you know, I did. I don't respect him as a man, but I thought he was a hell of a player. I thought he was one of the dirtiest players in the in the NFL. But I think that he he was an uh, when he stepped onto the field. Yeah, I think he took um, took things to a uh, extreme at time, and he was labeled one of the dirtiest players in the game. But I think what he was he was part of in Pittsburgh was something that he will always be remembered uh, and uh, justifiably because he was a hell of an athlete. All right. So I'm going to kind of give some perspective to what, to what Jason said earlier about Bradshaw not lighting up the stat sheet. 28,000 yards in his career, 27,800 or 27,989, a career touchdown to interception ratio of 212 to 210. But here's the big kicker here. A career one loss record as a starter of 107 and 51, which meant that he was the focal point of a lot of those prime Steelers teams back in the 70s. See, Terry Hanratty, you don't feel so bad now, do you? <laughs> All right. And, and what's what just throwing us out there? He was the second best quarterback on his college football team. I'm trying to remember where he went to college now. Louisiana Tech. Mm. Yeah. And who was the other quarterback on that team, Jason? Uh, a little man that is known for making duck calls in Louisiana. That is the head of the Duck Dynasty organization. Duck Dynasty. What? You did not Those, know that? Those no. bunch of frauds. <laughs> you, guys did, you guys really didn't know that? That that he turned down going to going, um, he he left college to start the Duck Call, which is the quote unquote Duck Dynasty, and that moved Terry Bradshaw into the starting role and kick started his career. I'm see, mm. I have I have an inkling. To offer tonight. <laughs> that, that was a way beyond. That was like next level meme worthy squid bit. It's just a damn shame because I know how fake that entire family is. The That's... knowledge is much appreciated, but personally, it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I will say this much that was a goddamn professional tidbit. <laughs> there. Very, very, very well done. Damn, wanna be real, real life. There have been a lot of really good Steelers defensive players, but again, I think this is one where one player in particular stood out to all four mm -hmm. of us. Mm -hmm. I mean, after all, you have to be some kind of an athlete to get a Coke commercial. <laughs> true, true. Jason, take the lead once again. I would have to say one of the most feared men in that Pittsburgh Steeler defense, and that's Mean Joe Green. The leader of the Steel Curtain. Yes. I think, uh, honestly, and I, honestly, I'm going to hate myself for saying this. Uh, there is an honorable mention that is a little bit more recent, uh, and that's uh, Troy Palomalu. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that he is also in the conversation but um, you just, yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong with saying mean Joe Green. I mean, when you think about that steel current defense um, and how intimidating it was to see, I mean, he he even ha he had to do the Coke commercial just to get his image back where people didn't think he, he was the player, the intense player that he was seen on the field. So... Yeah, so I, I'm going to mean Jim Green, and that's the only. Uh, I'm pretty sure that you know we may disagree on this, but I'm throwing it out there. Um, it's mean Joe Green for me as well. Same the NFL honorable mention to Jack Ham, but same. The NFL did not track tackles back in the '70s; they were not a trackable stat. The NFL did not track sacks back in the '70s; they were not a trackable stat back then. What the NFL should have tracked back then is players who shit their pants with the thought of having to face Mean Joe Green because that stat would have been astronomical. 
True. Yeah. And yes, the NFL did not start tracking sacks until 1982. Pisco? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to give a big honorable mention, who I was originally thinking about picking, but I... I actually have... Oh, real quick, I have an honorable mention, too, but I'll let you go first. Okay. Um, my honorable mention is the same as Jason Troy Polamalu. Uh, when you think of the modern Steel Curran... Uh, he was the man in Pittsburgh, but yeah, I mean, Joe Green is, was the Steelers defense when they were the Steel Curran. My honorable mention may draw some flack because of his reputation as a player, but on the field, when that, when that whistle was blown and play was in session, there were very few better in Pittsburgh than number 92, James Harrison. Mm. True. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, he's in the conversation. He I definitely is in the not. conversation as well. Harrison was kind of like the modern incarnation of Green and in the fact that his reputation preceded him. He was not as dominant on the field as Green was, but he had the reputation that would make you afraid to line up against him. Eric, anything to add on the Mean Joe Green front? I mean, not personally, like we were saying about anchors, those defensive line, and we were talking about the Purple People Eaters when we did with the NFC North. Yeah, Mean Joe Green was the man for the Steelers at that time. And I'm not giving Cole Amalu an honorable mention because of what he did to Pat McAfee. Nuh-uh. Nuh-uh. No. Mm-mm. So, to finalize, for Baltimore, it is Justin Tucker and Ray Lewis. Those who are listening cannot tell that I just visually rolled my eyes at these three on the video format of this podcast that we're doing as we record. What What's for, the worst pick for you? What What's the hardest one for you to have to say? This one or me and Eric agreeing on Natomik and Sue? Hmm. So, well, Sue's dirty, but Lewis is a murderer, so I'm going to say Lewis. Alleged. Alleged. He was found <laughs> not guilty. Let's get uh, this right. Uh-huh. When you when you have money, you can get away with shit. So, wait, then by that logic, uh, Eric, are you cool with uh, OJ being your pick for, ball, for Buffalo? <laughs> I mean, he did have a 2,000-yard season, but you know. You listen here, motherfuckers. <laughs> Unless you want to incur the wrath of Bills Mafia, you know where to fly for Buffalo offense. Yes. Getting Getting back to the conversation at hand here. So, Ray Lewis and Justin Tucker for Baltimore. Chad Johnson, thank you, Brandon. And Ken Riley for Cincinnati. Hey, get, get it right. It's the Ocho Cinco. Jim Brown offensively for Cleveland, defensively is a cluster fucking a half. We'll take that to vote here on Twitter. See if we can't get any uh, any kind of response from that. Hopefully, a better turnout than what we got from the people over on Facebook for that. Yeah, and I'm gonna then, need the li- I'm gonna need the list. So I can put it up. Uh, Joe Sherbert, Joe Sherbert for me. Clay Matthews Jr. For Jason. Eric, your pick for Cleveland? Joe Hayden. Brandon, your pick for Cleveland. And mine was, hold on a sec, let me find it. Right, what the hell? Uh, mine was... Crap, what Wasn't it? from like the 50s? 60s. Oh, okay. Mine was uh, Len Ford. Or no, Ken Riley, excuse me. Or no, no, Lemford, I was right. I was right. That was Ken for... Riley with Cincinnati. Yeah, Ken Riley was, was for Cincinnati. Lenford? Right. Yeah, Lenford. And then we all agreed on Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh was unanimous offensively and defensively. The original TB12, Terry Bradshaw, and Mean Joe Green for the defense. When we return next week for part three, we travel to the NFC East. Oh, this should be fun. We Uh-oh. start with Dallas, again, Uh-oh. alphabetically. And then we deal with the New York football giants, the Philadelphia Eagles, and the Washington 
Redacted. Was waiting for one of you to finish that for me. So Dallas, Philly, Washington, and the Giants next week here on the kickoffs. Greatest of all teams. Jason, where can people find you online? Uh, you can locate me on Twitter at TurkaGlue822. You will see the uh, aforementioned poll going up here in uh, the next 15, 20 minutes. So uh, if anybody does listen to this and wants to go vote, uh, give us a little insight. Feel free to comment and vote at TurkaGlue822. Like I said, uh, I'm not going to be as assholish as I normally am. I would appreciate your votes to see if we can get this lined out. So, uh, with that being said, uh, at TurkeyGlue822, Twitter, go vote. And then after a couple of days, then I'll tell you to go fuck yourself. Bisco, where can people find you online? They can find me on Twitter at BiscoNMBChiefs, and they can find me on Facebook. Just look me up, and we can talk sports. What little there is to talk about right now. Eric, how much Bundesliga did you watch, and where can people find you? Well, if you would follow me on Twitter at SquidSportsHead, then you would know I would actually live-tweeted my commentary, at least for the first 65 minutes, of today's 3-1 win by Borussia Mönchengladbach over Eintracht Frankfurt. But if you were not interested in my live If you're not interested in all my live tweeting, you can still look me up there. If you're interested in things like tutoring and other needs or just want to talk about different stuff, you will find me on Facebook. Remember, guy in a recliner holding the glass of wine because there's about four people with my exact name spelled the exact same way. So I have to clarify that. And if you're on Twitter and happen to slide in my DMs, and you're willing to go through a very strict vetting process, you will get Insta- You will get access to my dark Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Telegram, and all of my other places. And naturally, as always, this vlog brought to you by the fine people at Rick's TNT LLC. By which he means himself. <laughs> Look, I, hey, 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 I have a number and I am affiliated with Dun & Bradstreet. Thank you very much. All right. Yeah, seriously, if you're looking for tutoring or you know anybody who's looking for tutoring, check Eric out. He's really, really smart. T-plug. All right. Uh, <laughs> at ATB the Eagle on Twitter, Instagram, technically on Facebook, too. If you go to Facebook.com backslash ATB the Eagle, it takes you to my page. Harry Broadhurst, obviously, on Facebook as well. You can find me if you want to talk. Wrestling, you can find me over in the Chair Shot Wrestling group over on Facebook. We are in the process of putting together a football group as well. I have a couple of football groups that I'm involved with, but we'll try to put one together for the show. We'll get a page put together for the show as well over on Facebook. But the main pa- the main place to uh, to communicate with all four of us together is going to be through Twitter and by mentioning the kickoff specifically. If you guys are interested, check out the uh, – the W2M archives as well. Check out the Facebook archives as well. Check out all kinds of information that you can find for the W2M network too. So all that's available on W2Mnet.com. Do we have anything else to say before we get out of here? Jason, what the hell are you doing? I'm putting up the Twitter post fucker. (laughs) Okay. Just wondering. You're like standing there like side scrolling your phone and I'm like, what is he? I don't want to know. You realize we got through this entire thing without one family show tonight. I well, cried, people. I cried. I feel violated. <laughs> I'm pretty sure our, our guest host last night felt the same way. <laughs> yes, I'm pretty sure she did, too. Wait, Rachel. Again, a special thank you to Rachel Krieger for her filling in last night for our News and Notes episode. All right, that's going to do it for us. So, for which one do you prefer? Do you want me to use the not-so-silent Cohen, or do you want me to use the unprofessional? Yeah, it doesn't matter. I really don't give a fuck. (laughs) That answers my question (laughs) for the unprofessional, Jason Teasley. The... Go 
co-host turned executive producer Brandon Biscobing, the executive producer turned co-host Eric Watkins, and myself, Harry Broadhurst. You have been listening to part two of this week's kickoff adventures. The greatest of all teams, part two, AFC North edition. We are a presentation of the W2M Network online at W2Mnet.com. In addition, you can find all of your more the information that you would want about any of the W2M Network shows by checking us out on W2Mnet.com and finding us on all of your favorite podcast listening services such as iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spreaker, Podbean, CastBox. Hey, Brandon, guess what? Spotify is here. And Eric's still black. I I don't have anyone to call a dick today because we just did it yesterday. Again, this is a very family-friendly show-ish by our standards. By our standards. Hold on. on. I got you, Harry. Oh, God. Brandon, guess what? What? You're supposed to say Spotify's here. Oh, fine. Spotify's here. And me and Eric's going jogging. Um, yeah, um, no thanks. I, I, I haven't gained the quarantine 15. We're good. We're good. <laughs> the views and opinions of Jason Teasley do not necessarily son of a bitch. <laughs> thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you guys next week for the greatest of all teams, part three, NFC East edition of the kickoff here on the W2M Network.